Y'all pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would adore you. We'd love you more than our gifts or even the people that we give gifts to. That you would be front and center to know you more, love you more, share you more uh, with people in a world in need. Thank you for coming to us. Thank you for coming to us today. Thank you that you will come again. Uh, may we know that. May we, may we love you even more at Christmas. In your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. You can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Read a familiar passage. And then we'll talk some about it. But before I get into that, I've been talking over the last couple weeks about Advent. What Advent means. And one of the things I love about Christmas is this meaning of light coming into darkness. I mean, think about it. If, if you're in darkness, like a dark place, and a candle is lit, you know, or you're hunting and you turn on a flashlight, or you turn on any light, uh, the darkness starts going away. Uh, darkness does not overwhelm light. Light overwhelms darkness. So the meaning of Advent is literally light coming into darkness uh, in the form, in the person of Jesus Christ. And what we've also been talking about all month is that Jesus comes. That's what Advent means. Uh, Jesus came in history nearly 2,000, 2,000 plus years ago. Jesus comes now, today, at any moment, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus will come again in the future, literally, physically, out of the sky. We're going to read a passage about that later on, 2 Peter 3, just if you want to mark your Bible. Jesus comes, past, present, future. And it's also kind of like the light of Christ, Jesus himself, uh, interrupts life, disrupts life. Uh, The life of creation and history of the world, Jesus Christ interrupted it, disrupted it. And for those of you who have really, and I say really, asked Christ, given your life to Christ, however you want to phrase it, He interrupts our life. That that is a disruptive force that changes your life for good, but it is an interruption. It is a disruption. Because sometimes you're like, well, this is what I thought I would do with my life, and now Jesus has come into it, light has come, but I'm going to do something different. He interrupts the course of our life for His glory And for our good, not for bad. So the question I would have this Christmas, uh, for some of y'all who do not know Jesus, let's say who have not surrendered your life to him, but for others who do know Jesus and perhaps need a reawakening, will you let Jesus Christ interrupt your life and your great Christmas plans This season. Uh, Will you allow God to disrupt your life for his glory and for your good? 
Because it is for his glory and for our good. Will we let him? Let's look at this, uh, this passage that is famous, that is Sunday school story, that is uh, the beginning of kind of the sweetness of the manger, and talk about it a little bit. Luke 2, verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Uh, This is a famous story. It's a wonderful story. Uh, It is a a beautiful story. Uh, But it is also part of a larger story. Uh, I've heard it said that, uh, well, someone told me last night, was that a... uh, I was at a Chris party and, you know, got into this great conversation, as always happens. And uh, the guy said, you know, I'm not a religious person. And I said, uh, I, well, I didn't say this, but I was, uh, I was telling someone here, I should have said this. You know, like, well, you know, that's okay. I'm not either, you know. Um, I mean, I'm not religious. I'm a Christian. And there is a difference. Uh, somebody said this. I don't know who said it, but uh, religion is a lot of advice with a few stories thrown in. Christianity is one story with a little advice thrown in. Uh, I totally believe that, and that's totally what Christianity is. Uh, This book, the book that I'm holding my hand, it is one story. It is one story of God creating us, that we fall, and then God pursuing us, uh, breaking through the boundaries of creation, time, space, physical matter, particles, and God stepping into his created time and place and space to pursue us, to come to us, to save us, and bring us new life, and also bring his created world new life. It's one story, a little advice. And what we just read is a big, big piece of that story, and it is very, very, very supernatural. Supernatural here. The virgin birthed a child. That's supernatural, okay? Jesus eventually rose from the dead. A dead body came back to life. Supernatural. And, you know, often, I will say this, and probably some of you here, uh, people try to, let me use this word, uh, neuter Christianity by taking the supernatural out and saying, well, it's really some good, you know, advice. And Jesus was a good example. There was a, uh, there's a known guy, philosopher, he wrote a lot. If you read Vanity Fair, not that I read Vanity Fair, but he used to write a lot. And he had Christopher Hitchens. Christopher Hitchens, yeah. I don't know if some of y'all read him. And Christopher Hitchens was a renowned atheist. He used to debate Christians all the time. It was very interesting. This lady, her name was Marilyn Sewell. Don't know her, but just stating her name. She, uh, she was at a debate, or she asked him, you know, big time atheist. And she said, you know, you seem to attack the fundamentalist aspect of Christianity. But what about for some of us 
who we might call ourselves not so fundamental, and instead, you know, we believed in uh, the peace of Christ and the example of Christ and his teachings, but not the supernatural. And Mr. Hitchens, an atheist, okay, renowned atheist, debated Christians, he said to this lady, he said, well, actually... I believe if you don't believe in the supernatural aspects of Christianity, then you're not a Christian. He said, because if you took out the virgin birth, if you take out the resurrection, you know, that, that's the core of Christianity. It's very it's fascinating. An atheist said that. I'm quoting an atheist in a sermon. God uses that, okay? He uses everything. There are no accidents in Christianity. He uses it all. C.S. Lewis, though, also, and this is a word for us, that sometimes we have to get over our, our bias towards the supernatural. Like, I'm not biased towards the supernatural. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. I mean, if someone, if there was like, you know, I mean, we pray for physical healings, but like if we saw physical healing, we're like, I don't know. It's kind of like that verse I, I put up last week, you know, Mark 9, 42, I believe. I believe, help my unbelief. We have this bias towards the supernatural. That's just kind of innate, and we have to overcome that so that, like, we really believe and don't just say, yeah, virgin birth, believe that happened. Yes, resurrected body. Yes, Jesus can heal physically, emotionally. People who are separated can bring together again. It's all about interruption. Supernatural is about interrupting our life. Think about this. You may have all your plans. You may have your Christmas just, you know, Jacked up, maxed out, you know, you got it all going on. Like, what if Jesus really interrupted your week, your Christmas, and like you did some things that were different? That's a supernatural miracle. We need to believe that that can happen. He interrupts time, space, bodies, physicality, history, lives, hearts, minds, emotions. God is all about interruption and disruption. For his glory and our good. See in this passage how it happens. I love this. Luke, forgive me, you know, just the word Luke. I'm hearing it over and over in my mind. I went to see Star Wars this weekend. So Luke, so forgive me if I use this voice about Luke. But anyway, Luke says, I knew y'all would connect with that. Anyway, Luke says, Bible, Star Wars. Anyway, that's why I preach. Luke says, Caesar Augustus, he also mentions Quirinius, governor of Syria. He, he wants to put the birth of Christ in history. You know, these were historical people, a historical government. He said, this is when it happened. And one of the ways it happened is that this guy in history wanted to register all the world, the Roman Empire. So, you know, I want you to see this. Like, God interrupts history. When I say there are no accidents in Christianity. If you're a Christian, there's no accidents in the world. And that can be a big conversation, but here, probably brought a lot of, of pain and suffering, Caesar Augustus, and yet God used him to orchestrate his coming into the world. So God interrupted history. He interrupted Joseph's life. Uh, we talked about him a couple Sundays ago. Uh, you know, carpenter, uh, getting married, want to celebrate that. All of a sudden, fiance, pregnant, not his kid, small town. A lot of us know about small towns. You know, what's that going to do? What's that going to do to his business? Interrupted his life. And he allowed himself to be interrupted to follow God's plan. Mary, 
I mean, like Mary didn't ask for this. The angel came down, told her, God has chosen you. God has favored you. Little girl, probably 13, 14, to carry the Son of God. And I think about Mary's life. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's fascinating if you do a little reading about Mary. Not only was what, what she here at the birth of Christ, she's at the foot of the cross. She had to see her son die. Her firstborn son. I mean, he was her firstborn son as well. See him die. She became a leader in the early church. She went with John, the disciple, to Ephesus. That's the church where Ephesians is wrote, written. Her, um, her burial site is there in Ephesus today. What a fascinating life that the Lord interrupted to use for his glory and for her good and our good as well. And then... Jesus, firstborn son, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. Jesus' life was always disruptive. Earth, uh, in his life, miracles, healings of diseases, casting out uh, demons, but he also interrupted plans, calling 12 disciples uh, who were not like, uh, you know, we're not like a great lot of folks, you know, but saying, I'm calling you and I'm sending you. And initially they thought, hey, you're going to bring a new kingdom, a new government. He's like, nope, my kingdom is not of this world. He interrupted death. When he died, his disciples, his followers like, man, it's over. We believed in him. We followed this guy. He interrupted Death through his resurrection. He said sin and death will be no more. Death will be no more. And he interrupts and disrupts our life today. Today. To use us. To use you. He comes. Christmas is all about him coming. Not 2,000 plus years ago. Now. Today. This morning. Not just on Christmas Eve when there's candlelights and it's special and it's sweet. Today. Jesus wants to interrupt your life, to disrupt your life for, again, his glory and your good. So maybe our plans need to change for Christmas. Maybe our lists, as Ben said, need to change. Maybe our priorities need to change. Like, what would Jesus want? Do I love Jesus enough? It's very, very personal. It's historical, as we see here. It is personal for you, everybody in here. There are no accents that you are here today. I want to read you something. I don't know who wrote this. Uh, I love it. I think I've read it before. I came across it again, though. Maybe I read it a couple years ago. It's about, it's a writing. It's called Christmas Is. And it speaks to how personal Christmas is for you and for me. Listen to this. Christmas is for those who go to wing night alone. Christmas is for those whose bodies have been so wrecked by cancer, they can't imagine having another Christmas. Christmas is for those daughters whose fathers never told them they were beautiful. Christmas is for those who were really, 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 really lonely, but now are only really, really lonely because of social media. Christmas is for those marriages in trouble. Christmas is for the son whose dad keeps buying him hunting gear 
when all he wants is art supplies. Christmas is for the prostitutes, adulterers, and porn stars who are all looking for love in all the wrong places. Christmas is for the college students who can't wait to leave their family gathering to go get drunk yet again. Christmas is for those who've squandered their family name and fortune and who want to go home but can't imagine a warm embrace. Christmas is for parents watching children's marriage fall apart. Christmas is for those in a mess. Christmas is for me. I love that because you may not know it or realize it, but it speaks to Christmas is about God interrupting our lives and our mess. Uh, And a lot of us, maybe not all, I would say probably all, but I got some messes interrupting the mess of life, the mess of the world, the mess of our personal lives, and coming in. God being there, present now. It's not a a hope for, he's already come. And he can come even more in a moment into your heart, into a mess, and interrupt it, and stir it up for your good and for his glory. So it's personal for us, like as individuals, as people, It's also situational. What I mean by that is all of us are in these situations that are messy, that are connected with other people and relationships. And Jesus comes to interrupt that. I don't know where all of you are going this Christmas, but I know where a lot of us are going. It's a place called Awkwardville, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like the family gatherings. And being around and like, you know, how long do we have to stay? And and a lot of us, and this is what I mean by Jesus coming and interrupting that mess, the situation of Awkwardville, okay, in that some of us put on a roll, like immediately. I've done this, you've done this. Uh, Some of us are like the joke guy. And we go into these messes of situations and we hobnob and we'll tell a joke, some land, some, some don't. You know, and just trying to make the best of it and trying to be fun. The fun guy, the fun girl. Others of us take on the role of the planner. You know, we, these are the ones who have planned, you know, the perfect Christmas card uh, and organized the perfect dinner and, and trying to just plan and orchestrate, you know, this, this perfect picture of Christmas and they, or we, always end up being disappointed because it is never that Norman Rockwell, you know, just Christmas moment. We really work hard. You're working hard right now. Some of them are working hard that aren't here today for that. Uh, Some of us are the TV guy. You know, there's always a sports event on, you know, football, NBA has games. So we just like do the pleasantries, hit the couch, sofa, you know, watch the game. Some of us just kind of hibernate. Get quiet in the corner. Uh, We put on these roles uh, because of family drama. And guess what? How do you know if you have family drama? You're in a family. Okay? 
Amen? And the good news of Christmas is that Jesus likes drama. And Jesus likes messes. And if you're like, man, I'm in a mess this Christmas, thank God. Jesus likes messes, and he's already there. And he wants to interrupt it. He wants you to think about it differently. That in that mess, he is there. He is waiting to disrupt your life. Again, I keep saying this, for his glory and your good. It's very key. Because you can think interruption, disruption, that's going to mess me up. We're already in a mess. He interrupts it for his glory and your good. So it's historical as we saw that he comes and interrupts. It's personal. It's situational. And it will happen again in the future. He will interrupt this world physically, totally, and bring our hopes, if we're in Christ, to a realization. See, I said this three Sundays ago. You know, I mean, I am bought into Christmas, uh, but where I've bought into a lie, me buying into a lie, year after year after year, is that I plan this perfect Christmas moment with my immediate family, with my extended family, with friends that I'll call and catch up with, and be like, you know, it's just going to be perfect Christmas morning, perfect Christmas Eve, perfect Christmas day, perfect Christmas day night, roll into the 26th, it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be spectacular, it's like, it's like Jesus comes again, and it's not like Jesus coming again. The brokenness, the mess still remains. I bought into that lie, some of you bought into it as well, and we end up being disappointed, because December 26th cometh, and things are still not much different. But Advent is about the future hope that one day all things, all things will be made right. And I want to, on this last Sunday of Advent, read this passage, 2 Peter 3, about the future coming of the Lord that could be today or Christmas Day, but our concocted Christmas dreams that are in our mind are not the day when all will be made right, but there will come a day when justice and peace and glory will reign fully, literally, physically, and if we call ourselves by His name, we should, in Advent and at Christmas, most of all, hope for this day that it is coming, and it is coming soon. Amen? Let's read this. 2 Peter 3, verse 8. Some of y'all may have never read this passage. Listen to this. 2 Peter 3, 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, 
and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. A couple things in closing. Some of us say, man, why couldn't the Lord come back today? Why couldn't he come like soon? I know we say, you know, it's kind of Sunday school saying he's coming soon. Why didn't he come back soon? The only reason, the only reason that he has not come back sooner or not coming back right now is that he wants many or as many to know him and be saved. I was talking to a person two weeks ago whom I've discipled, who did not know Christ, who came to Christ, and they said, I'm glad, I want you to hear this, they said, I'm glad I didn't die during that time. There's a seriousness, and there's a weight to that. I mean, I'm proud that they said it. Because they believe, they're like, I'm glad I didn't die then. Because now I know Jesus. The only reason, the only reason the Lord has not come is that as many as possible can know Jesus Christ and have an eternal home with him in the new heavens and the new earth. So we can say, man, I wish he'd come again. We see the news. We saw this. I'm more like, praise God, because if he came three months ago, this person would not have an eternal home in the new heavens and the new earth. And we should be like, as we sang, heralds, go tell it on the mountain, in our own ways, as I talked about being inviting and loving and encouraging and sharing, and at points, like really sharing distinctives of our supernatural faith, that we unapologetically believe a virgin birth, believe a man died and came back to life again, believe, I believe this literally, Second Peter 8, 2 Peter 3, 8 through 13, believe it, it will happen. Put my life in it. It says that who should we be? Living lives of holiness and godliness. Living lives of holiness and godliness. To the Lord, a thousand years is a day. A day is like a thousand years. You know, the future is not a place that we think about. The future is a place where God already is. He created time. He is, he's there. It's his plan. There are no accidents. What we should do is say, God, interrupt my life. Disrupt it for your glory and my good. So I'm going to give us an opportunity. We haven't done this, I don't, maybe a couple times, but I want us to speak a prayer together. I'm going to put the prayer up on screen as we close, okay? You're like, is this come some kind of rote deal? No, I'd like, you to, I'd like you to mean it. Look, if you don't mean it, you can like just, I don't know, you know. I mean, if you just feel led to fake it, you know, I mean, it's your call. You don't have to say it, but I'd really like this Christmas, I mean, see these words. Some of you, I mean, if you're note takers, write them down, speak them out. It's what I believe, that he can change you in a moment. It's what I live for, that he would interrupt our life, and he would do so. It's a wonderful opportunity at Christmas. Let's read this together. It shows every aspect of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. On three. One, two, three. Father, thank you that you love me just as I am. Jesus, thank you that you love me too much to let me stay just as I am. Holy Spirit, I invite you to change me. God, interrupt me this Christmas season 
for your glory and my good. Let's continue praying together. Heavenly Father, I pray that we as a people, this bellwether people, would know your power, would become serious about things of you, that you came to us, that there are people that need to know you because their eternal destiny rests and lies, and there's a weight of that. And we would take seriously your call to interrupt this world for your glory and our good. Often, we think about our our trials and our mess, uh, the situations of family, of relationships, of, of physical sickness. May we believe you can heal it all, but may we more so believe if you choose not to, it is for your glory and our good. May we believe that this Christmas. God, I pray for, for me, for my family gatherings, for the, for the family gatherings of friends, that you would just, you'd be felt in places. And I know you're opening up doors that we can talk to people. May we all through them, again, for your glory and our good. And those that do not know you, Today or tomorrow, may the power of your Holy Spirit overwhelm and melt and change and interrupt and disrupt their life for your glory and for their good. In Jesus' name, amen.